0: You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. Hi, my name's David and I'm a volunteer here at St. John's. Today, I will be bringing you the Bible reading from Matthew 4, 12-17. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew, to Ga- he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfil what was said through the prophet Isaiah, Land of Zebulon and, N- and Land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Hi, I'm Julie, and I'd like to begin by praying. Mighty God, your word says that it does not return void. I pray today that wherever people are watching from, you would open our ears to hear what you want to say, open our eyes to see what you are doing, and Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit as I bring your word to everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, recently I had signed into a UQ webinar and the History Society, a few months back, were looking at how societies had changed post-plagues in the past. The MC began with a challenge. He said, it's not how you return to normal. It's how you return to the extraordinary. That is better than before. He then proceeded to look at opportunities which had happened in societies after historical plagues. And there are four trends of which I'll come back to later. But initially, I thought, really? Return to the extraordinary? He's a, a glass half full kind of a guy, I thought. And I parked that idea until reading afresh about the ministry of Jesus in Matthew 4. You see, Jesus makes things like returning to the extraordinary possible. We have come to the end of our Back to the New Normal preaching series, and we've been looking at what a world post the pandemic might look like for ourselves, for our church, And for today, we're going to be looking at what it might look like in society trends around us and how we position ourselves missionally to make the most of those opportunities. Of course, we're not there yet, so we can't speak definitely, but it's a little bit of a guess. And I've I've done it based on looking backwards, both historically, biblically, and some of the secular literature that's around. Um, So I hope you enjoy it. In the past couple of sermons, we've been using these four buckets, what stopped, changed, started, and done out of necessity. And for St. John's Extra this week, I'm going to use those buckets and explore it a little bit more with society trends and missions. So if you want to find out more and using those those buckets as a way of processing the change, please do sign up for that. But back to Matthew 4 and coming to the question of, can Jesus make things like, returning to the extraordinary possible. So Jesus in this passage has just come out of some of the darkest days of his life. He's been in isolation in the wilderness for 40 days, socially isolated, and Satan has been tempting him constantly. Coming out of that darkness, he receives news that John the Baptist, his cousin and friend in ministry has been taken to prison, which will end up with him being killed. No doubt there is grief and sadness around that news. From here, he leaves his home and moves to a new place, Capernaum. So he's leaving what's familiar and he's coming out of a pretty rough week in his life. Leaving what's familiar behind. It's been a big week for Jesus. We're also told about the people of Zebulon and Naphtali. People living in darkness, living in the land of the shadow of death. Now, previously, these guys had had a lot of glory days with God and they'd lived close with him. But they'd turned to their own devices and God had humbled them. And right now, they're living in darkness. Looking into the future, the book of Revelation, we can see that both of these tribes are part of the tribes that are gathered around the throne of Jesus, worshipping him. So we know that that's how it ends. But for right now, it's described as the shadow of death. Okay. Okay. And in that darkness, they're told, you have seen a great light, a light has dawned. How do you think they felt? Well, we're living through a worldwide pandemic. And each day this week, we've heard of hundreds of people who have contracted the COVID virus. We're all wearing face masks, apart from when we're filming. We've just gone into stage four of restrictions. We're praying for the families who are separated from loved ones at the moment. Our children are schooling from home. Don't know about you, but we're making do with our kitchen table, it becomes homeschooling. Some people are sewing masks on it, dinner time, work Zoom calls. It's sort of a whole lot of stretching and making things work. In addition, there are economies that are beginning to crumble and global alliances that are changing. These are dark times. You could say we are living in the land of the shadow of death. So when I tell you, you have seen a great light, a light has dawned, how do you feel? Perhaps you feel a little like me when I heard that MC lecturing and saying, we can return to the extraordinary. It's a nice thought, I I want to believe it. Yeah, nah. And yet, Jesus never does live up to those human expectations that we have of him or do what we consider to be realistic in circumstances, does he? Now with the benefit of hindsight, we can see in this passage that the darkness seems to be the necessary prelude, the backdrop color, so to speak, used to give the most extreme contrast to the light, the vibrancy, the life, which Jesus brings to his people. It was in those days of darkness that God did a new thing. Jesus began his public ministry. The great light seen was the light of God, alive in Jesus and now seen in you. As people lived in the land of the shadow of death, I believe it would have rattled them and prepared their heart to have faith and desperation perhaps to receive by faith all that Jesus then wanted to do. The sick were healed. Signs and miracles were seen. Good news spread quickly all over Syria and the world. And his message, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Repent meaning turn from what you're focusing on to God. Turn from what you're relying on, what you've been focusing on, what you've been putting your worries to, to God because he's doing a new thing and he is here. The darkness was and is the very setting needed for God's light to shine brightest. In a dark room, one match will light up the room, will be enough for you to see, will be enough for you to find things, will be enough for you to scope out what's around you. In the dark night of one's soul, we see the words of Jesus in new light. They change us in those valleys. Historically, in a society living in the shadow of death, that darkness, in that the light of God through one person was enough for the whole village to change in culture. Jesus came to a people living in darkness, living in the shadow of death, and in him, they saw a great light. And as Christians, we have that light of Jesus in us. In this global pandemic, we are carriers of the light of Christ. And some pretty amazing global trends are beginning to happen right before us. So when we think back to our new normal series, what trends do you think we'll see? And how do we position ourselves well to be ready to let our light shine in that? Now I must admit, when Tim asked me to preach on this topic, what's our new normal going to look like with regards to society trends, I thought, I don't know. How am I to know? Everyone's asking the same question. And yet then I realized, no, hang on a minute. We've got the Bible. It allows us to go backwards and see what people did in the past and what happened after trends like pandemics. Sorry, not trends, but happened like pandemics and what were the trends that came after that and what did God say about those things. But we also have the benefit of looking forwards and seeing what God's plan is and what his blessing and what his overall plan is for us. We can also read the histories of those who have gone before us And indeed, there have been many times of returning to the extraordinary within that. So as I talk through these four trends, I invite you to imagine. I want you to dream. Dream you are walking with the light of Christ shining brightly out of you. And think to yourself, what might these trends mean for me? And how can I position myself or what do I need to do to shine that light of Christ in that space? Ready? Let's go. Trend number one, an increased appreciation of people loving their neighbour and loving each other. Love wins. God is really into love. It's his DNA. It's the fabric of his being. God is love. And we're made in his image, made to know and experience that love and to reflect his character to the world around us. In these recent dark days, we've seen the power of love, the impact of love in ways which might have been overlooked or less impactful in brighter days. Rainbows in windows, the kindness pandemic, people cooking meals for each other, the light and love of Jesus shining in bright times. And the same thing happened in the past. In the 17th century, there was a great plague in England You can read various accounts of people barricading their homes and moving to the country to avoid the crowds. They tried lots of remedies for health and they struggled with proper burial procedures, having never seen the level of death and tragedy they were seeing. They saw many of the same challenges that are on our news feeds every night as we work out what's happening. Yet in this emerge heroic stories of the plague villages as they became known. I imagine that's a 17th century term for clusters. One particular plague village was in Eam in North UK. And the plague had traveled in, they believe, through cloth from a trader that was working in London. When people started dying in that village, the vicar of the community and the previous minister, Thomas Stanley, decided to quarantine the community and stay within the community so that it didn't spread to other villages. It was voluntary self-isolation, in effect, and self-sacrificial, especially in a time when it wasn't requested of you, wasn't legal to do so, and others weren't doing it. They were fleeing and getting away from sickness. He said, we need to live with it and make sure no one else gets it. Now, a number of people did die in that village, but the adjoining villages suffered much less as a result of this community it made a huge difference to them and today there's a museum in iam that tells the history of this time there's songs and poetry and different accounts and novels around it and in particular people write a bit about this minister and his community and express the heroism of their choices passive heroism in a way that as a believer in jesus and his community that he was influencing chose How they could best love their neighbours and decided it's best if we stay self-quarantined to isolate so that this doesn't go further now can you imagine the witness that would have been for the neighbouring villages when they heard that the plague had reached Eam and thought they were next but then that community chose willingly to self-isolate so that it didn't spread in those dark times to hear those communal efforts of the church must have been like seeing bright shining stars in a dark time of history. The character of God, the self-sacrificial and loving character of God on display through that community. Now looking forward in our own society, in our own time, there will be advances I believe in science and health, in hygiene, in death and knowledge about those things. Uh, There'll be an increased concern for the social welfare and greater self-sufficiency within trade routes within Australia. Today, as we're filming, the Prime Minister is talking about suicide hotlines and and mental health, like it's a global and topical issue at the moment. And as these things continue to be discussed, how are you positioned to love your neighbours? When you hear of someone's need, is there anything in your power that you can do to help? There's a Swedish marketing campaign at the moment. It says, be a hero simply by being indoors and watching Netflix. Well, that's one way. But loving others is also thinking about what is it that's in my power to help and to relieve the burden and to show care to the people around me. So that was trend number one. Slightly linked to that, I believe is another societal trend within our future and society which will happen. Trend number two, decentralisation of people from the cities to the local neighbourhoods. Now, we've seen this happen anyway by people feeling safer to work at home, and rather than travelling to the CBD or to the workplace, they've, they've remained relatively local. Now, it's brought benefits back, which Kirk has addressed in previous talks, and it's been really helpful in some regards, and there's certain things that we want to keep of that. I believe we'll see a trend of greater life in our local neighborhoods. Buying local, support local. Historically too, there was a trend towards the suburbs, a trend towards the local villages as people followed employment, followed affordability and followed what the economy was doing in those places. And I believe that with that, we'll notice an increased opportunity to contribute to the flourishing of our local neighbourhoods. We've seen that a little bit this year, haven't we already? The Anzac ceremonies, for example, were held on our front footpaths this year. Christmas celebrations may well be celebrating with our neighbours in ways that are new and innovative. Home hospitality may well be on the rise. The rainbows we see in people's windows are just one way of windows, like house by house, showing love to their neighbors and showing that they care. And looking out your windows, looking out my windows lately, there's a lot of life going on. People are exercising, you can hear kids playing. Well, a little bit less so in stage four, but I guess I'm observing that from the last couple of months. There's lots of people walking around. And it reminds me of what the prophet Isaiah said, many many years ago he says your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations you will be called repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings a repairer of broken walls a restorer of streets with dwellings a great light has dawned as jesus said repent for the kingdom of heaven is here And here comes the great missional opportunity for us. It's no longer about getting someone to church or inviting them along to know the Jesus that you know. Rather, the role of every household becomes essential. You and your household are an essential service in this. In the coming weeks and months, let your light shine. Stage four restrictions will come to an end. And these dark days may well be the best of preludes for his light to shine brightest. I was reflecting this week that Melbourne is currently on the world media. Nations are watching to see what comes out of stage four lockdown. Imagine if what they see is Jesus. Imagine if what they see is one of your initiatives to repair and restore a neighborhood Imagine if what they see is something you and your household have done to point people to the goodness of the kingdom of God. It reminds me as well of the prophet Isaiah, sorry, Jeremiah. He says, seek the welfare of the city. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. The light and life of Jesus is here and lives in every person who follows him. Let your light shine. A third trend that I believe we'll see, again, if you've just tuned in, based on the history, biblical history of pandemics and and secular history that I've noticed, as well as just looking around and thinking, is an increased appreciation of the awe and beauty around us. An increased appreciation and awe of the beauty around us. We're going to see an amazing opportunity to embrace beauty, to promote the kingdom of God. Perhaps you've noticed this already. You know, you've sort of become aware a little bit more of the flowers in your backyard or those weeds in the front yard that, oh, they've always been there, but I'm suddenly noticing them a little bit more. You might say, yeah, well, we're not allowed to go anywhere, so of course we're noticing those things. But also... After many plagues and pandemics, there is a revived appreciation of beauty in the arts. Creative ideas, new, in, new ideas forming, new inspirations, forming small at first, but then growing into something powerful and impactful. We saw this a little bit at, or in, in, small, in beginning and initial forms in the creative service we had recently. And I believe it's the beginning of more things to come. Historically, we see this as well. The Church of the Hagia Sophia is one of the world's most stunning ancient cathedrals of Constantinople, modern-day Istanbul. And it's built in the aftermath of the Egyptian plague which went across the Middle East. It was an attempt by the then emperor to restore and reclaim a fear of God and reclaim his favour, Uh, But it marked a trend of worldwide cathedrals and churches being built and an interest in the visuals and the stunningness of that. In the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, we see this as well, as artisans brought out their, their trades and started creating some incredibly beautiful works to give glory to God in the rebuilding of the temples. They were embracing beauty as a way of pointing to the kingdom of God. And missionly, there's great opportunities here for you. Creatives, writers, game designers, architects, gardeners. Whatever your creative inspiration is, your work is needed. It tells a story without words at times to reach the human heart. The human heart at the moment globally is tender and sore and open. How can you use your creative skills that you have to reach the human heart and point people towards God, sharing the message of Jesus, repent for the kingdom of God is here, a great light has dawned. The fourth trend that I believe and final trend that I believe we'll see is an increase in the wonder of God. A friend of a friend that I spoke to recently was working with someone and the person at work said, I went out and bought an end-of-the-world survival kit this week. I've stocked up on on tins, an axe, water, matches, food, that kind of thing. He says, do you think that's weird? Do you think that's weird? Where's that coming from? Yeah, it is kind of weird. But like the world around us, people are deeply unnerved and uneasy with what they see around them. So they are taking matters into their own hands to prepare for what they anticipate the future might hold. Jesus said, the fields are ripe for harvest, but the harvest workers are few. Ask the Lord to send workers into this harvest. Missionally, take courage and be bold in sharing about Jesus, the light of life. This present darkness has led to a great shaking of the foundations of our society. And the good news of Jesus is an unshakable foundation who has and is establishing his kingdom amongst us. It's good news. So just to recap those four trends, an increased appreciation of love, loving each other, love wins. I anticipate a movement from the city towards local neighborhoods. And we have an opportunity to be involved in that locally. I anticipate an increased appreciation and awe of beauty and creativity and an chance to embrace beauty to point towards the kingdom of God. And I anticipate an increased wonder of God. So within this, don't underestimate that you carry the light of Christ. It was foretold in the days of Isaiah and seen in the land of Zebulon and Naphtali. Get ready. There's no way that God is not going to use the darkness that comes from a global pandemic such as this one, the one that we are in, to do a powerfully new thing amongst us. Let me finish in prayer and then I have a challenge for you. Heavenly Father, personally, I find comfort by looking into the history of what you've done with your people. It shows me, Lord, who you are, what you've done there, and given that you never change, I can trust that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. Thank you too, God, that you are the God of our future, that you know the day the vaccine will be found. If there'll be a vaccine, you know the day that will go outdoors again. These things are not a surprise to you, but Lord, you see centuries ahead and you are doing a powerfully new thing. So awaken our hearts and speak to us about what it is you're positioning us into, that we might shine your light In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now this next challenge is for the people of St. John's. We've come to the end of the Back to the Future series and Back to the New Future, I should say series. And I want you to ponder of these sermons, which one can you send a link to? What I mean is think of your friend, think of a friend and think which service, which sermon would be helpful to pass on to someone else. I believe there'll be some links up there to prompt your memory about what we've looked at in this past month. And again, which one could you just send a link through? Messenger, through WhatsApp, whatever you use to communicate. Go, you know what? I've seen this in the last month and I think you might like it. That's all. That's my challenge to you to pass it forward. See you soon